welcome to the hangry episode of mm-hmm. Oklahoma Today podcast yeah. because it is 1230 and some yeah. of us have not eaten lunch yet. My salatai is in the refrigerator as we speak <laughs> and I am thinking of it. Yeah. Hello and welcome back. It's the Oklahoma Today podcast bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week we are talking to a man who loves books more than Melville Dewey himself, Mr. <laughs> Jeff Martin of Magic City Books, Booksmart Tulsa, and the Filbert Museum of Art. But first let's get into our question of the week. We asked you, what is your favorite book to give as a gift? First up is Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. I had to turn this a little bit on its head um, because I feel like it's such a personal thing uh, that I there's not a lot of books that I just give across the board because it's, it's so personal. So I prefer to give people access to books. So my favorite literary gift is a gift a gift card or a gift certificate to either Full Circle Bookstore or Magic City Books so they can pick out their own and then I but I make them tell me what they got and then if I can I try to go read it um, that said I have given away many copies of writing books like Bird for Bird by Anne Lamott On Writing by Stephen King and Walking on Water by Madeline Langle um, which is a little bit more of a Christian-y focus because she was a you know, she was a Christian and mm-hmm. and so it's sort of about how faith and creativity interact. But honestly, it's not. It's everyone could read it and gets. It's a beautiful. It's beautifully written. It's an amazing book. Oh, so those are mine. All right, managing editor Carly Ibarra. I have given many people uh, various Joy Harjo poetry books Good. because her books are always fairly short. And sometimes when you give people a book, it's like you're giving them a chore. Like here, read this thing. Yeah. Uh, but boy, Joy Harjo's poetry books. Are are, you know, very short, and they're so powerful. I don't imagine anybody would think reading one was a chore. No, her her words are gorgeous, and everyone mm-hmm. should dive into them. It's like a, I don't know, a something wonderful to dive into. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, photo editor Megan Rossman. Um, well, apparently... I really like to give Helen McDonald books because I realize I keep giving them to people whether they like them or not. Um, my brother now has two Helen McDonald books and he has read neither of them. Um, <laughs> but I am still going to give them to people because I think she is such a beautiful writer. I cannot imagine who would not want to read her words. So uh, you're getting them whether you want them or not. And also I love to people uh, give people the world according to Garp because oh, I just think that is is still one of my favorite it's books so I've ever read. Great. It's so great, yeah. Uh, research editor Ben Lucian. So for the listeners out there, uh, in a past life I actually uh, was an English teacher, mm-hmm. um, and one of the books that I uh, assigned to my students and uh, lent out um, the the full copies of was uh, the Rose that Grew from Concrete by uh, Tupac Shakur. Yes. Uh, so a lot of people like uh, hip-hop music, especially, you know, kids. Uh, I was an eighth-grade teacher, so um, a bunch of kids were really into hip-hop. Um, and they might be curious about poetry and, like, spoken word and stuff, but there's not really a, an easy uh, entry point. And that is just such a a uh, convenient bridge because uh, it's Tupac at, at sort of a young age writing. What I love about the book is that the, uh, the pages, at least in all the copies of the book I've seen, uh, are actually scanned of his handwritten like oh. notebook uh, paper um, po- poems uh, so it's really relatable uh, for kids and really just really accessible for anyone so that is uh, that's one of the ones that I handed out a lot that's good that's a good answer wow I'm gonna have to read that now Mine is so much less inspiring. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I think, uh, well, here's the thing. I think inspiring books are great. Uh, I want people to read and and have those words really effective. But there's also something to be said for utility, and that is why I love to give people Barbecue USA by Stephen Reich. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cookbooks. I love giving people cookbooks. Stephen Reich, especially, if you love barbecue, he is, he's a barbecue professor. He has studied it around the world. um, And so, but Barbecue USA is really about different styles of barbecue found all over America. And one of my favorites is the reverse uh, seared tri-tip, which Mm. is uh, like my, when my friends and I go to the lake uh, every year, tri-tip is the thing. Like that's, that's that's the dinner everyone's waiting for. That's so cool. Uh, Here is what you guys had to say. Uh, Marianne Plaxo Williams said, I've been giving burning sweetgrass and it's a wonderful account of Native American tradition for sweetgrass uh, to be read slowly and savored. I have read that book and I loved it. I was going to say, I thought you were the one who told me about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, Laura Cummings Madden said, This year I gifted Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nyeri in my Made in Oklahoma gift baskets. I love that title. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Johnson uh, said uh, she gives God's Grace Keeps Pace by an Oklahoma author, Pam Powell Whitley Taylor. Very cool. Uh, Charlotte Henry gives uh, people the Midnight Library. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Loman Lancaster. Uh, this one actually appeared a few times. Charl- uh, Charlie Maxi. Uh, uh, Maxie's The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Uh, and if you have uh, Apple TV, uh, they did an animated film of this with like Idris Elba and Gabriel Byrne. And it's, it's, you had me at Idris. Yeah, of it's course. a beautiful movie, too. I saw clips from it the oh, other really? day. Oh, yeah, really? Okay. Was really nice. uh, and, and my understanding is all of the characters are like different aspects of the person and mm-hmm. so you kind of it's it's like how the different parts of you work to anyway um, alright uh, well, let's talk to someone who knows way more about books than us Mr. Jeff Martin and now we are very excited to welcome in Mr. Jeff Martin to the podcast Jeff welcome to the Oklahoma Today podcast hey thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here now, usually at this point in the podcast, when we introduce somebody, we we give what their title is, and I would love to do that with you, but I feel like you've got too many titles. So why don't you tell us a little bit? You're kind uh, of a you're, you're a, a multi hyphenate, uh, and, and according to a photo of you that was published in Oklahoma Today, you're also a superhero. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe you know my secret identity has been given away here. Um, yeah. So thank you guys for having me. My, my uh, professional life is kind of bifurcated into two spaces. One is the work that I do as the director of communications for Phil Brook Museum of Art, which I have been there at the museum. This will be my 14th year. So a long time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I oversee, you know, kind of all of our, you know, communications, everything we send out into the world, our social media presence, all the kind of fun stuff that we do to kind of make our brand fun and get people yeah. engaged in what we're doing, but also kind of to hold up our values as an organization. So that's one side of me. And then the other side is I'm the um, co-founder and president of Magic City Books and the Tulsa Literary Coalition, which we just had our five-year anniversary for the bookstore, which is kind of an interesting thing because it's a nonprofit bookstore, which is quite a rare thing in the United States. There's yeah. a handful of them. Um, but that started as a, uh, initiative I did back in 2009 called book smart Tulsa, which was kind of a local, very much grassroots organization just to try to bring more 
bookish literary fun stuff to to town um and it kind of started as a very small effort and then has snowballed over the last 15 years into quite a behemoth so i mean uh, i just want to go through a few of the names okay okay because i want listeners first of all if you're listening to this and i want you to write down the the name booksmart tulsa unless you're listening to this in the car um, really remember it hard. <laughs> really write it on your brain in that case. But I mean, Salman Rushdie, mm. Emma Roberts, like the like. That's I'm an interesting like, dichotomy because I know, right? Those are the first yeah, things that came to mind, and then I, my mind went a complete blank. But I mean, like, Fuller. yeah, literary and cultural. Everyone from I'll say Salman Rushdie to Emma Roberts of American Horror Story, etc. Mm. Um, I mean, talk about a spectrum. David Sedaris is 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 or was on your board. If I'm yeah, he's on our board. Yeah, we have, a, we have a pretty amazing list of writers who are on our advisory board. So that's yeah. David Sedaris. You mentioned Sir Salman Rushdie. He's also there. Jonathan Franzen, amazing. Ann Patchett, Michael Shabon, yeah. a lot of amazing people. Um, I mean, so this is not, you know, like this is a major literary organization for America. Yeah. Right. Like not just for I mean, for Tulsa, for Oklahoma, obviously, but like this is a big deal. And you guys have done some truly amazing work. Yeah. You know, I'll let you say it because it sounds better. Coming from- <laughs> Happy sounds to say better. I tell everybody it sounds better from a third party. But, um, yeah, you know, I think I'm an ambitious person, but I never expected this thing to kind of grow into what it's become. Um, and, yeah, I feel like we are able to punch above our weight class so much so that we can compare to things happening in, you know, those major metropolitan areas. And I think when I see, if I look back on the history of what we've done in the last, you know, 10 or so years, and, and you compare that to what's happening in some of those bigger markets, it would be hard for you to distinguish between the two, you know, and that's, and it's, it speaks a lot to the audience, too, because I can bring in a million cool people, but if nobody comes to see them or there's no one there to support what I'm doing, that doesn't really work. It's one thing to have a big name, but they're not going to keep coming back if nobody shows up. So the audience in Tulsa that we've been able to cultivate, these thousands and thousands of people that have come to these events over the years, they play a pretty seminal role in, in, in making those things work. So, Yeah, it's audience building is, 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 is challenging work, but it's so, it's so unbelievably gratifying when it works, right? Like yeah, it's so and, cool. And even more hard, you know, obviously in the pandemic era. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, I would love if you, whatever you can tell us about what's coming up that people can start thinking, Ooh, I got to make plans to be there. I'd love to know what Booksmart Tulsa is going to be up to in 2023. Yeah. You know, we've got a few things kind of kicking off the year. When is this going to air again? This is the 30th of January, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, I can't, I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see my whiteboard. I think that's Uh, right. I'm blind as a bat. Yeah. It's the 30th of January. Yeah. So we know this spring is always a big time for us. So we're really starting to book things out like that. One thing I'm really excited for is uh, in March, we're going to be hosting Adam Gopnik of the New Yorker. Who's one of the great kind of writers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the movie tar with Kate Blanchett recently, which is, Oh, but I want to. It's on my list. It opens with a scene of him and she in conversation, um, which is really fascinating. But he's one of my favorite kind of cultural critics. And I've wanted to get into Tulsa for a long time. But we also have a couple of 
kind of young novelist coming. There's a writer named Jessamine Chan who wrote one of the big breakout debuts of last year called The School for Good Mothers, which was a mm-hmm. kind of on everybody's top 10 list last year. So she's going to be coming in. And it's a lot of stuff. I would just encourage people to go to magiccitybooks.com. You can see the full list. And then spring and fall are really our two big, big season. And we have a couple of things that I'm not ready to announce yet that I'm working on that if they come to pass, maybe our biggest things we've ever, ever done. So. Ooh, that's a, that's an, a tantalizing tease. I'm yeah. excited to hear what you guys are up to. Um, you mentioned magic city books, which what a treasure, Thank what you. an absolute treasure in the Tulsa arts district. I, 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 I can't ever since you opened, I literally don't think I've gone past in a car or on foot and not stopped in. It's, <laughs> Even it when just we calls were, to you from the street. <laughs> even when we were touring Tulsa for our big Tulsa issue, that was one of our first stops yeah. when we got there. It was like, yeah. hey, <laughs> let's go to Booksmart. People at my credit card company okay. love y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. You know, what's good is that being a nonprofit, you can maybe, can you write it off? Probably not, but you can. Probably not. Good. Yeah, that's okay. It's, I don't care. It's worth it. <laughs> um, um, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, but it's it's you know uh, I think people hear nonprofit bookstore and they're like, huh? But you wouldn't necessarily know it's nonprofit to go in. I mean, it's in a it's in a high traffic area. It's a very cool part of town. It's an amazing. It's just the curation of the selections there is unbelievably good. Yeah, you know, a lot of people ask why we did it that way. And I'll just tell you, you know, one of the inspirations for us was you know I've, I had worked in bookstores up through my twenties, and I've always loved bookstores. But you know, in two thousand eight nine, when I was kind of starting some of my bookish pursuits personally bookstores were in a weird place because you know the great recession had hit borders had closed so you had this national chain going out and at that time indie bookstores were just kind of dropping like flies but over the past few years there's been and i i kind of assumed there would be this thing the other thing that's that third trifecta of that was that was also the time when e-readers like the kindle came out and there was this major kind of swing of curiosity where everybody wanted to see what those were like. And I assumed that, that a lot of people would try it out and then kind of work their way back to physical books because they're not for them. And most people yeah. I know who read Kindles read both, you know, they kind of bounce back and forth between. I do. I mean, I definitely do. You know, for instance, um, for me, the Kindle is for like vacation because I don't want to pack nine yeah, books sure. on a vacation when I can just slip that in my bag, you know, yeah. well, uh, you but know if I'm at home, I'd really so much rather just have the paper. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think I just saw an article in the last week or so that said more vinyl records had sold in America in 2022 than in the previous 35 years, something like that. Yeah. And what that's interesting to me is more than CDs, right? Oh, way more. Yeah. 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 what's, What's interesting to me about that is kind of the analog to books, the physical books, you know, are books ever going to be the center of the culture that they were in like 1970? No, because technology changes and things like that. But the idea that these things would go away, which was certainly talked about for a few years is totally nonsense. If yeah. records are still thriving in 2022, books are good. I for love a while. that. Yeah. I think so. I completely agree. You know, and we see the same thing on the magazine side, on the periodical side, you know, survey after survey, even of Gen Z. I yeah. think I saw one that was something like 71% of them would prefer a paper book or magazine to a, to an electronic one. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting point because there's a whole generation. I think this actually has been underreported. You know, I came up in bookstores when the Harry Potter books were really still coming out new. Yeah. That generation of kids grew up reading 800 page books in two days, you know, like it was nothing. I know it's yeah. amazing. And so if yeah. you were six, eight, 10 years old in like the late, very t- tail end of the nineties or early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think that 
those and young adult books still physical young adult books move like crazy. And so I think we've kind of overshot our expectations as to the kind of, you know, it's like that thing Mark Twain said was, you know, the, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated kind of thing. So I think, I think we're good. Now that does that mean it doesn't need constant shepherding and and caretaking and all that? Of course it does. But I mean, everything worth doing does, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, but you guys are familiar with the Circle Cinema here in Tulsa. Oh yeah, what a treasure! So yeah. Circle Cinema is you know probably my favorite place in town to go hang out, and, and I see tons of stuff there. You know they're a nonprofit, and I was always interested in why they did that. And I got to know the leadership there, and and their whole thing was like, you know, we're a nonprofit, we support great community causes, but if you come in, we want to be just a great movie theater too. So our thing is, if you're driving through Tulsa. Well, you may not have a vested interest in the fact that we're a nonprofit for our community. So we need to just be a cool bookstore either way, you know. Absolutely. Um, but also working in the museum field, you know, I've been around museums so much. You know, when you go to MoMA in New York or wherever you go, they all have a gift shop, right? Well, all yeah. those gift shops are nonprofits because what they do is everything you buy there goes back to the mm-hmm. museum. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if, the, you know, what, what if we could put that model into a, into the idea of a bookstore and so that's, those were kind of the seeds that we planted to kind of become what we are. And I will say this, being able to have different revenue sources, you know, like through the pandemic, getting grants and different opportunities as a nonprofit really saved our bacon in a lot of ways that we probably, I don't think we would have closed, but I think we would have been in a much more iffy position in those early months and mid months of 2020, if we'd not had certain avenues of funding available to us, you know? Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned, you know, people growing up at these major book events. Like I will never, one of the weirdest nights of my life, I went to the release of the last Harry Potter at like a Borders. Yeah. Just because I was like, this is kind of my last chance to see one of these things happen. Like I'm curious, I've been hearing about them, you know, Um, and it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, And even now, you know, we talked about like, I feel like some book every year make some giant splash, some giant story, you know, like Killers of the Flower Moon was one of those. Or like where the crawdads thing. Everyone was talking about it, right? Even people, you know, who don't, who don't read, who aren't huge readers. There's always, I feel like there's one book every year or two that everyone goes and gets, you know, everyone has to read, everyone picks up. Yeah. You know, when I tell people about living through, and I used to run some of those midnight release parties and stuff and we'd hire (laughs) that was kids would show up and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, I always tell people, I was like, we lived through the Beatles of books. That was what that was. You know, it was a true yeah. that we'll probably never see again. And we should just be really thrilled that we kind of got to. Because what was really interesting about that time is I think the last Harry Potter book, which was, I think, The Deathly Hollows, mm-hmm. came out at 2000, either six or seven. Somewhere and, in there, uh, mid 2000s. Yeah. And that's right when that's, it was like literally either you have to check my math. It was either like six months or a year before the Kindle came out. So it was kind of like oh. the end of those books kind of heralded the end of the domination of physical book era. Wow. And it was kind of this last chapter. And it's hmm. kind of interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, that I, I, I'd never put that together. I never thought about that. But that's so interesting. Huh. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Philbrook, but I would be remiss. I feel like I would be letting myself down if I didn't ask one of the best literary minds I know. Yeah. Or some of your favorite, some of your book recommendations from the past year. From What were some of your key reads from 22? Well, I have to happen to have my top 10 list here with me. So yes. let me. Uh, Don't leave home without it. <laughs> we, we won't I, we do we, you know we may not go through all 10 but i'll kind of give you the the highlights um and i'll kind of break it up between 
maybe nonfiction and fiction. My favorite uh, nonfiction book of the year was a book by a writer named Ada Calhoun, and it's called Also a Poet. Hmm. And what it is, is her father is or was, he actually passed away in the last couple of months, uh, was the arts critic for The New Yorker. His name was Peter Sheldahl. Oh, wow. And, uh, he'd been arts critic for a long time. But he was also before that a poet and uh, you know, in the New York kind of downtown New York scene. Well, in the 70s, he wanted to write a big biography of the poet Frank O'Hara. And Frank O'Hara is this great, oh, amazing, you know, yeah. kind of gay icon, also Worked, so Frank O'Hara worked as a curator at MoMA, and when he was on his lunch breaks at MoMA, he would go and eat in diners and stuff, and he'd write little poems, and eventually put out this landmark collection called Lunch Poems, which is just poems I wrote on my lunch break. And it became kind of like a huge landmark thing, but he died tragically. He was actually hit by a dune buggy on Fire Island at like age 40 and died quite young. But when he died, he was already like one of the most famous poets in America. But the New York Times, when he died, his his obituary said, you know, curator at Museum of Modern Art dies, also a poet. That was like the the sub headline. Wow. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, this book was about is about her dad, who she has a very complicated relationship. So it's kind of like a book about fathers and daughters, and how complicated that can be. It's also about trying to write a book about someone famous because the book never happened. And she kind of chronicles all the challenges and why it never happened and all these things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like three or four different kinds of books wrapped into one book mm -hmm. uh, and kind of unlike anything I'd read recently. So I love that. So that's called uh, also a poet. I'm going to look that uh, up. That sounds amazing. And then I'll, a couple other ones, uh, a, a work of fiction I loved is a book called kick the latch by a woman named Catherine Scanlon. S-C-A-N-L-A-N. And it's a fairly short novel. And it's kind of like, um, if you like Cormac McCarthy or Larry mm -hmm. McMurtry, it kind of has kind of that rural working class Western kind of stuff. And, okay. and But it's kind of told from a female perspective, which is kind of a unique take on that world. Um, but what's cool about her, Catherine Scanlon, is she does something interesting. Is she kind of fuses nonfiction journalism with fiction. So when you read these books, she writes at the end of it, she'll tell you kind of, here's the research I did. And here's all the people that I met when I was looking into this topic. And I based these characters cool. off these people. And so it's kind of this, I, I like these, I'm kind of in a year of like these hybridizing of all these different styles. That's um, interesting. One more I'll just mention before uh, we move on to the next thing would be uh a book called River Man by Ben McGrath. Ben McGrath is a great nonfiction writer, and he basically writes uh, a story about this gentleman who was basically homeless, but also kind of a this brilliant guy who, instead of kind of placing himself in like an urban setting, like many people who are dealing with, you know, homelessness, he kind of just traveled the waterways of the United States and was always just on different rivers traveling on a canoe throughout the whole country. So he would just stay on the rivers and camp every night on the sides of river banks. And so basically he was homeless, but he just lived basically like a, like a camper. Um, and he would just read constantly and they, 
it starts kind of with a story of, you know, someone finds this canoe and the guy's missing and all his books and all of his journals and everything are in there. And you have to kind of figure out where, where he went. That's a really amazing wow. story called river man. So I would recommend those three books. That sounds so cool. I just heard, I just read this thing. Uh, I don't know why it's made me think of this. I just read this thing that's big on uh, bookstagram, right? Or uh, book talk. Book talk. Yeah. Speaking of Gen Z and books, right? Book talk is a huge thing. Um, that is about this book, I think from the seventies that has, it's like six different mysteries and all the different pieces. It's all published out of order. So you can't even upon reading immediately tell what piece goes with what mystery mm. and no one's ever solved it. <laughs> like, and so these, there's these like young, like these Gen Z people on book talk, like who've created like a murder wall with this book. And I life me, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was just this. Really like, you know, when you think about the prevalence of book talk, and I guess we should say anybody who's listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about not T-A-L-K, but T-O-K as in TikTok, book talk. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that that exists and is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that, that, that makes me feel good about the future. You know? Same, same. I love that. That's very cool. Thank you for that. I, I, I'm adding all of those to my list. Good. Very soon. That's that's exciting stuff. Um, but let's talk. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about what's coming up this year at the Philbrook Museum of Art, one of Oklahoma's absolute must visit top destinations. If you have not been to the Philbrook Museum of Art, I've, that's your resolution for 2023. That's your homework, listeners. Yeah, and we're, we're giving people we're giving people something special to actually kick off the year. It's um, in February. I think uh, uh, February 22nd is the first public opening date. We're opening a show called Rembrandt to Monet and it's 500 years of European artwork. And so it's kind of fun to play a place like this. You know, we like to kind of do a lot of 90 degree kind of pivots. Um, and so, you know, last summer we had an amazing Frida Kahlo show. Um, oh, so good. You know, so, you know, then we did something, you know, quite different after that. We did a whole show of kids artwork, which was pretty amazing last year called the big show where we had 3000 kids put their artwork in our main gallery and we framed it, gave them labels, treated them like every other artist that we did. Any kid who submitted it got in there. It was quite amazing. And we hung it from ceiling to floor. It was amazing. Oh, you should look up some so pictures cool. of that. Um, and then so, you know, pivot again, doing something that we haven't done in a while, which is kind of a classic down the line, give you the old stuff kind of show. And it's fun to kind of come back to that when you've kind of done a few other things for a while, because it creates this balance, you know, you don't yeah. want to show one too many of one thing, uh, but you have to kind of know where things started. And so we're going back to the Dutch golden age and moving all the way through, you know, there's, like I said, there's obviously Rembrandt, there's Monet, there's Renoir, there's Titian, El Greco, amazing artists in this show. Uh, and that's going to be uh kind of our first big kickoff show for the year. So that opens mid February and pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's so cool. That is so cool. Um, I always want to know, I always ask people at work at places like this that, you know, if there's a, if there's a, maybe a first time visitor or a 500th time visitor, like, is there a corner, a, a place that people, you tend to see people look past and you're like, wait, stop. <laughs> like, look at, like, look at what you just walked by. Like, it's important. It matters. It's amazing. One of my favorite things to do is there's a piece we have in the museum uh, by a woman named Marilyn Levine. She's an artist, a uh, sculpture artist, and it's called Spots Suitcase. And what it is, is it's a, it looks like when you walk into the room, there's a big brown leather suitcase sitting on a pedestal. You know, it just looks like any old suitcase that your grandma would have had before they put wheels on them. And, uh, 
people walk by that. But then the minute I go, well, if you look at that, that entire thing, the broken latch, the leather strap that's torn, it's all completely made out of ceramic. And people's minds, you can see their eyes get wide and they bend down and they look at it. And I tell them, well, if you look right here, you can see that there's a little crack that'll kind of give you a little hint that that's not leather, you know? And it, you know, it's like a 40 pound or maybe more, you know, a huge piece of ceramic. It's, it's hollow underneath, but you know, you only see the top of it, but yeah. it's so mind blowingly realistic that people can't quite deal with it. And uh, <laughs> so it's fun to kind of, maybe if I'm even just walking around the museum one day and I'll see people in that room where that piece is, they're never looking at that. They're probably like, Oh, some contemporary idiot thought it'd be cool to stick a suitcase in here and call it art. They're doing one of those things. They're looking at something right. on the wall. I'll go, Hey guys, you want to yeah. check out something cool? And I, it never fails. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go straight to it next time I'm there. I'm going to go look you at should. it. And That's your cool. mind will also be blown. Uh, that, you know, honestly, it's anymore. It's quite easy, but <laughs> <laughs> a light breeze, a light uh, breeze. <laughs> no, but uh, you know that the Philbrook is one of those that might you you guys might have my favorite museum to get lost in. You know, Absolutely. like I just that is inside and out. Yes, of all yeah. the places that I would like to to uh, be locked in for the night, I'm pretty sure the Philbrook is. is you I know, got you. I know you, Jeff. that was so fun. Yeah. I got to spend a day when you guys were closed hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. We did this thing for a while called me time Mondays where we let people kind of have the whole place themselves. We actually have done a few sleepovers too, where we let people camp out in the gardens too. So, oh, and uh, we would do like a midnight flashlight tour of the museum, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we're all about the fun, you know, we, we, uh, I think we've kind of learned over the years that you can be kind of impactful and fun at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. And if you yeah. can do them both, you're kind of all the better for it. And, you know, we, we do it. We have a campaign where we do a thing where we'll show pictures of the museum where people are having fun at the museum. We do the tagline says stuffy old museum. And we'll just put <laughs> we actually have billboards that do that, all kinds of stuff. And there'll be like a picture of a kid in our mud kitchen covered in dirt out in the gardens that just says stuffy old museum or, or, you know, whatever it is. And there's so many examples of people doing that. And it just kind of upends what you think a museum can be. Right. Especially when you're in a big, fancy mansion in the richest part of town, there's a lot of preconceived notions about what you are and what you do. And so we yeah. have to constantly kind of be aware of that fact and yeah. what can we do to help change that perception? Yeah. And I, you guys are amazing about that too, because you do a ton of community outreach. Oh yeah. Um, you're so involved. You got, y'all are so involved in Tulsa. You do, you, I feel like, I mean, I feel like to some degree, every museum is about this, especially anymore, but um, you guys are just killing it in the sense that you're, you're getting out there and you are letting everyone in Tulsa, everyone in Oklahoma know, like, this is for you. Yeah. yeah you know, a lot who of you are, know this that, is for you. And there's something for you here. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. people don't even know simple things like, you know, kids are free every day at the museum. If you're under 18, you're free every day. And that's, you know, that's something that sometimes we're like, people know that. Right. And it's like, no, nah, most people don't. So we have to just, you have to keep saying it. And uh, that's a great opportunity. You know, if you have, if you have a bunch of kids in your life or your kids, friends are with you and you want to go do something, you can come here and just spend the whole day here and it's hardly anything. And so that's a, it's a, something we're really committed to. I love that. Well, uh, Jeff Martin, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a really great talk. It's always fun to hear from you. Um, 
Uh, I definitely would love to have you back on. Uh, we want to talk more about the Philbrook. We want to talk more books. Uh, and, absolutely. Uh, um, but uh, uh, absolutely, uh, everybody, check out philbrook.org. Uh, that website is going to have all of the upcoming shows. And also, I, I feel like it's a pretty good uh, representation of the personality of the museum too, you know, the, uh, the it's corn exhibit, you know, <laughs> popping up right away. It's, you know, it's, it, it, this is, it's, it, you guys really are proving every day that a fine art museum, uh, does not mean it's a stuffy old museum. It just means the best art and it's for everyone. So, uh, Jeff, thank you again for coming on. And, uh, and I look forward to having you back soon. All right. Thanks, fellas. This was fun. I appreciate it. I love that dude. I just think he's the coolest. That, that, and, you know, yeah. He's just the best. Yeah, and Magic fun. City Books. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't been, go. It's so great. Yeah. It's just, oh. Like, it's, it's a lovely place to shop, and you're really and, and you're supporting literacy and literature yeah, when non, you shop there. It's, it's a nonprofit. Like said, it's a nonprofit bookstore. Yeah, yeah you're supporting um, the Tulsa Literary Coalition and Booksmart Tulsa, and that's a very good thing. Yeah. So, all right, it is now time for us to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly podments. And first up this week is Carly. So, how do you celebrate Black History Month? Exploring more content like books, movies, and music, patronizing shops, and sampling foods created by Black Oklahomans are a few great ways. You can do all three and discover the fascinating story of one of Oklahoma's historic Black towns at the Black History Celebration in Bully. On February 4th at the Bully Community Center will be an evening of performances and art, hors d'oeuvres, presentations by his, uh, town historian Henrietta Hicks, a book launch from Arthur C.J. Kirkland, and an exhibit of bully photographs called Colored Memories. Admission is free, but attendees must reserve a spot at thetownofbully.org slash upcoming dash events. Henrietta Hex is cool. Yeah. She's cool. It sounds like a really yeah. great event, and it starts at 6, so it's a little bit later, so you can okay. do other things that day and then go and yeah. end your day on go a, hang out a with high and Prague and all out through there. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. And, and, and for anybody, if you're in the Oklahoma City area, uh, you can stop by uh, Bowley's own uh, Florence's Restaurant. Yes. Uh, the, the first James Beard Award winner in the state of Oklahoma is... Uh, Well-deserved. Yes. So uh, Florence is so, so good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is... Is Nathan? Um, well, this is another good. You are good at picking, picking events for me because this was this was really fun. And I actually, this is one that I've been meaning to go to for a long time and haven't. And as a southwestern Oklahoma kid, I feel bad that I haven't been. But um, cement is manufactured through a chemical combination of calcium, silicon, aluminum aluminum, iron, and other ingredients. Common materials used to manufacture cement include limestone, shells, and chalk or marl combined with shale, clay, slate, blast furnace slag, blast furnace slag, silica sand, and iron ore. That might not be the best jam band ever. I don't even think Blast Furnace Slag knows how to play the banjo. <laughs> so when I tell you to go to the Cement Opry on Friday, February 3rd, I want you to know that actual cement will not be performing. But what you're going to get is even better. This is held in the, the Jesse James Ballroom above the Cement Museum. It's a lovely room in, in southwest Oklahoma in cement. Um, the Cement Opry stage is an old-time variety show with different entertainers every, uh, every month. Some will bring country and bluegrass. Some will bring gospel. And if the mood strikes, some will bring rock and roll. It's a veritable Noah's Ark of sound. Plus, there's a fantastic concession stand with everything. I'm not kidding. You read about the Cement Opry and you're like, the music's amazing. Go to the concession stand. Um, <laughs> 
It's amazing. They have everything from popcorn to apple cider. So sit back. Chili. Uh, you bet. <laughs> I've been there. It's great, right? So sit back, get a warm snack, and take in all the awesome entertainment this Oklahoma treasure has to offer. For more, inter- for more information, call 405-829-0135 or visit cementcommunityassociation.com and click on the Cement Opry tab. So fun. Right. Uh, ben, what's your event this week? Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the <laughs> ultimate live entertainment experience? Mark your calendars, call the babysitter, cancel your book club, because the biggest, most spellbinding event in the wide world of sports drama is coming to BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> this isn't just professional wrestling. This is the one, the only, the Monday Night Raw. This is a night where the stars align and wrestling history is made. The biggest names in the industry will be in the ring, giving it their all in the quest for glory. But that's not all, not by a long shot. Prepare for a stacked lineup of special guest performers that will blow your mind. If you have to miss this night, I'd hate to be you. (laughs) Don't miss out on a chance to see your favorite WWE stars in person. This is your chance to witness the action live, feel the energy of the crowd, and be a part of the most iconic wrestling event on television. So come one, come all, and be a part of the wrestling event of the century. You don't want to be like at home watching on TV. This is your chance to be front and center, feeling the energy and witnessing the excitement. Ladies and gentlemen, let's make some noise because WWE Monday Night Raw is in the house. Get your tickets at BOKCenter.com. Be there or get the chair. Wow. I am afraid of you now. I'm I was worried how was we good. were going to translate, like, transition from Carly's to mine, so I'm uh, glad I was. Yeah. That was really good. Uh, that was really good. That uh, I want to go now. It sounded like Batman. Uh, yeah. yeah. You guys remember when The Rock was on Star Trek? Okay, sorry, that was really funny. Um, <laughs> Who is the Batman that talks like that? The new Batman. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. I could not remember. I wanted to call him Chris Bale. Well, yeah, probably somebody like, does. His friends. Yeah. Basically I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> you know who I like <laughs> is that is that Mike Rooney. <laughs> We're not friends, so I can't call uh-huh. him Mickey. Uh, <laughs> Megan, what's your event this week? Well, when you're thinking of restaurant hotspots, the city of Yukon might not be the first place that comes to mind. But the truth is, they do have some pretty serious eating going on in this booming bedroom community to our west, if you're in Oklahoma City. Thai Orchid, Flower Shop Winery and Pizza, The Local, Green Chili Kitchen, Vladislava's. I think that's how you say it. Yukon is a delicious town. Yeah, no, there's a lot to eat there. It should come as no surprise that there are plenty of places to get your grub on in the town that partially spawned sultry superstar Chris Gaines. (laughs) It's about to get more serious on February 4th when the Yukon Chocolate Festival drops another year on the local culinary scene. A silent auction of more than 20 booths of chocolate treats will leave revelers more than satisfied. So grab your utensils, get in your car, and get to the Dale Robertson's center for more information call 405-350-8937 chris gaines always struck me as more of a piedmont kind of guy <laughs> i don't know i just want i just was <laughs> i just wanted to make a reference to chris gaines really i mean though, i think that if the opportunity i think you just have to take that opportunity when it comes yeah i'm not sure well yeah yeah <laughs> what do you have going on what's greg? going on greg well, increasingly, all across America, our fellow citizens are succumbing 
It's lurking in the schools, in the malls, in the churches, and in the streets. Each day, sometimes multiple times a day, our people are losing the fight. At night, when you turn off the lights, there's no place you can hide. I'm talking, of course, about the scourge of rhythm. It's going to get you tonight, especially if you're at the McKnight Center for Performing Arts in Stillwater, where the musical On Your Feet will be performed <laughs> on February 2nd and 3rd. Will you be able to control yourself any longer, or will you shake your body, baby, to do the conga? as you hear the inspiring story of Emilio and Gloria Estefan and how they bravely changed the name of Emilio's group, the Miami Latin Boys, into the gender-inclusive Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> it's already a little stuck in your head, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tickets are $27 to $123. Visit McKnightCenter.org to get yours today. I remember the first time I ever saw her was on the American Music Awards, and she was, like, kicking over conga drums at the end of that song, and I was like, she's amazing. <laughs> yep. Well, the sound of the staff librarian telling us to shush means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. Join us again next week for more of the very best Oklahoma has to offer. In the meantime, you can head to oklahomatoday.com, pick up our latest issue on newsstands, and send your feedback to OKTPod at travelok.com. We will talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Barr, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production help by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, for more information visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Oh my gosh, Greg, look out. The rhythm is right behind you.